I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Leaf Report is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. All right, James. Uh, we are into February. We're into the second half officially. Where's your head at? We've we've kind of done our midseason review. We're now in the second half. Austin Matthews is hurt. Mitch Marner's on a goal streak. The Leafs beat Carolina. That was a, a pretty interesting game. What's uh, what's got you interested right now? That was an interesting game. Yeah, I mean the second half is going to be second half is going to be a challenge with how many games they're going to play. And I think what the Leafs need to do is get back to when they were rolling. You know, in the the early middle portion of the season, uh, pre-COVID shutdowns. And um, you know what it really feels like, like the Carolina game? It just feels like the Leafs right now can like turn something on and reach another level when they need to. So I I think what we'll see is if they they do that consistently here or not. Yeah, I think that's obviously tied to the star power that they have. It it almost feels a little like basketball like I, i'm thinking yeah. Golden state warriors where it's like they can get down 20 it's like they have clay they have steph curry they can just score 20 in, in five minutes and be back in the game and it kind of feels like that with the leafs like there wasn't a lot going really on either side in that carolina game uh and then marner scores to tie it and then you know it's a it's a new ball game like they i don't think they gave up much in that game i don't think they generated that much in the game but that's kind of like what a playoff game will be like. So I kind of think we're, we are seeing evolution in some ways that way in terms of their ability to get back in games and and then obviously close some of these games. Yeah. And it it felt like that was a game they were going to lose like three, one or something and have a really hard time generating much of anything. And then all of a sudden Carolina had a hard time handling what they were throwing at them and the game got really entertaining and you know, it's, I, I, watching that game, it kind of made me wish that the Leafs could play really good teams all the time and like we could cut out because it seems like this year, like yeah. 
with the way the NHL is, there's there's like 12, 13 teams that just don't have a chance this year. And when the Leafs, I mean, I know they've lost to some of those teams, but there's been a lot of games this year where it's like, oh, New Jersey's ahead by a goal or two and the Leafs aren't playing very well. And then like they, the Leafs just like pile in three goals and win the game. And it's like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to take from that game. Like, what does that, what does that tell us about this team? Yeah, see, that's I agree with you. That's what's been tricky before that Carolina game is like, what are you supposed to make of a game when they're playing New Jersey or they're playing Detroit or they're playing like these teams that just aren't that good? Like you're 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 not really going to learn that much, I don't think. Um, I think it was um, Travis Yost from TSN that had he he pulled like a chart together that was like kind of goal differential for the contending teams against other playoff teams or something like that. It was and it was kind of interesting. That I think that was like a couple weeks ago. Um, I hope I have, I hope I have who, who did that. I, I'm pretty sure well, it was I, I highlighted that there, that, uh, I think it was in January that they really hadn't played a lot of, uh, the top teams and like they had fared reasonably well, but like their second half was littered with more games against like teams you would consider contenders. And like, uh, they obviously just played Carolina. They, they'll play Calgary. Who's, I don't, I don't know if you'd call them a contender. They've got Pittsburgh soon. They've got St. Louis. Yeah. They've got like better teams they, that I think we can learn more about. Calgary gave them a tough go last year too, and the sure, Flames have they always Flames do. Have, Flames have had a better season this year than they did last year. All right, so I should say, James, we're going to have our boy Dom on the show for the first time. Um, we have a lot of questions in the pod bag for Dom, so we'll get to those a little later. We should talk about uh, Marner's goal streak. We should talk about Austin Matthews' health, uh, and I, I also want to get to Kyle Dubis in the midseason address he he gave to the media. Uh, earlier this week, I guess last week. Um, I think we have to start with Matthews. Um, that's like a, a scary play for the team when he goes down and stays down for as long as he did. We're recording this before they're going to practice on Wednesday when he's expected to practice. We'll see if he plays Thursday uh, in, in Calgary, but that's, I mean, there's not that much you can really say about it except that it's it's scary for them when your well, best player you just, goes down. You just hope you get lucky and that it's just, you know, it, it's a, it, it, it's like, it's, it's one of those ones. It's just like such an awkward, weird play. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was going to say like, you know, Matthews is like such a specimen, like he's so big and strong and whatever, but it, sometimes it doesn't really matter with the head, right? Like, you know, you can be, you can be like the biggest, strongest guy. And if you get hit the wrong way, you know, it, it, it can be something that lingers for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. Matthews has had concussions in the past. So it's not like, mm-hmm. not like there's no history there. Um, but, you know, it, the team seems to think he's going to be okay here. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. I think they maybe they just dodged a bullet here. That's what you hope because obviously you, you've seen right now with Jake Muzzin where he gets hit in that St. Louis game. Uh, there's a day off the next day. He practices, I believe, on the Monday. And then it's after that that he has symptoms and and he misses, like he's missed seven games now and we'll see if he plays on this road trip. But like, that's kind of how uncertain these things are. And it really feels, uh, when you see something like that go down in an empty building, it feels fucking ominous, James. Like they they stop all the music, there's no sound and like literally you hear nothing. Remember the Tavares one? That's the worst (laughs) one. That'll be the, I hope that's the worst thing I ever see like that was awful because oh, you, you could hear him like screaming and like the yeah i don't want to think about it yelling so at him and it was like it's scary so uh let's get to I, i'm tempted to go to the goal streak but i think we have to talk about kyle dubas because like we, we don't hear from him that often uh he speaks 
typically every time at the midseason point, and I think maybe before the trade deadline. I can't remember. Yeah, he um, didn't give us a whole lot of notice this time, and uh, <laughs> it was like I got the I got the email like Saturday night that you know. Dude well, was what just do you talking. want? What do you want? Five days? Ten days well, a week? It's like that's less than twenty four hours notice. He's at the practice rink on Sunday afternoon. It's like, do you okay. need a week to prepare? Yeah. Oh, it should be okay. it should be like the emperor is coming when it. Anyway, so how many media were out there? It looked like there was like a pretty good contingent. I didn't end up making it. Yeah, it's the, the, it's like a just over a handful. It's not a lot. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting in some ways. I mean, I guess that I, I'm not sure I learned anything different than I thought. Um. He, he said like he wants to give this team a chance to be in its full form for a stretch to see what it actually is. I just don't know if you get that luxury. Um, they, they could here soon, but like injuries just tend to crop up. I, I guess, James, like I'm wondering if I'm him, what do I need to see from Muzzin and Hall over the next month or the next couple weeks Um to kind of figure out whether you're going to make a move on defense or, or if you're him, have you already kind of made the decision? We're, we're upgrading. We just can't fuck around. Mm, I think they're pretty far along in that decision and they're looking pretty closely at, at different candidates and possibilities. And I mean, they're probably even talking to teams and like scouting teams and stuff like that at this point. That's where I would be at too, right? Like I, I don't know that there's, that I have enough faith in both sides of the equation. Like I think Hall has, has looked a lot better. That was something Dubas talked about as well. Um, I, I I don't know if that sticks, if that sticks when he plays with Muzzin, because obviously most of this recent stretch has been with Sandine. I don't know about Muzzin. Like that's that's as much, I think that might be even a bigger question is like, what are they getting when he comes back? Like, will it be what we've seen so far or will it be something different? I really liked uh a little bit different, but I, I really like Sandine against Carolina. Like I, I liked some of the plays that he was making, especially in the offensive zone. Like he's just, he, you know, he, he didn't end up scoring, but he's just like so aggressive on some of those plays and it's like, and so good with the puck and he's just really fun to watch. So it's really too bad that, um, that both he and Muzzin and Riley all play the same side and that there doesn't seem to be a comfort for any of them on the right side because... Uh, I think I think Sandine's okay on the right side. Yeah. And willing to do it. Because uh, I'd, I'd like to see Sandine... I, I've said this on the podcast before, but, you know, I think that a Muzzin-Sandine might have some potential as a pairing and Muzzin's kind of like the fail-safe guy that, that's back a little bit more or... Or even, I don't know, like, I wonder if, like, Sandine Brody, I mean, I know you don't want to break up Riley Brody because it's been so effective, but, um, yeah, that I don't doesn't know, work. I, I just, I just, um, I just really like what I see from Sandine uh, in on, in some games, and you can really see the, the starting, the, the beginnings of him becoming what he's going to be. I mean, he's still so young, and for him to make some of the plays that he's making is pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, it does feel like this. And and obviously, like you've been on this for a while, but like I wrote about him in the top four. It feels like next season, like that's a slam dunk almost. Like they have to like coordinate their defense to to work that way. So he's in there. Jonas, what was the headline on that piece? It was something like when when will... When or yeah, how soon before he's ready. Yeah, and some of the people in the comments were like, uh, (laughs) they were like, three weeks ago or whatever, you know, like he's, you know, he's already ready. And, but, you know, in some cases, 
uh, young defensemen that excel in, in third pair minutes can't make that step. But, it, you know, the more I watch him, the more I feel like he's going to be, he'll be ready next season for sure to, to be in the top four. And, you know, the most obvious move to make would be find another place for Muzzin to play or, or get comfortable with the idea of Sandine playing on the right side. Yeah, I actually, I mean, again, like you've mentioned that for a long time. I actually, as a fallback option, I think that makes some sense. A lot of is going to depend on what happens with Muzzin in the second half and in the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, they're going to have to make a, a choice on, on Sandy's contract. Like, you've kind of said to me, like, the most logical route, and I think you're right, is to just do a short kind of bridge deal. Um but again, like it, it just depends on Muzzin. Like, so he's he's one of like he might be the biggest question of the second half, even bigger than than Campbell. But he's a huge offseason question too. Yes, right. With two more um, years on his contract. I mean, regardless, of, with with Muzzin, um, you need him to have a good second half, even if you want to move him, because if he's yes. if he really if he really struggles. Although, you know, he's got the kind of name recognition and experience and the way his contract's structured. I think he'd be relatively easy to trade. But in an ideal world, if you do decide to trade Muzzin, you want to get a good asset back. And if he has a really bad year, that that gets a lot more challenging. So, a couple other things that, that Dubas mentioned. He also talked to Pierre Lebrun. Uh, if you haven't seen that, go check it out at The Athletic. Um, he talked about being willing to trade for rentals again. He, he's willing to trade draft picks, which I, I think they should be willing to trade just about anything. Uh, not on the current roster, although there's a few pieces on the current roster I think you would definitely consider trading. Um, the rental thing I think is interesting just because of how it went last year. And you'd think like there, there would be a lesson in there. And his lesson was time. Like last season was so unique with some of the, the circumstances with quarantine, with how the way the season was going, that they got those guys, Felino, et cetera, with not much time in the le- left in the season. Then Felino gets hurt, and there's just not much time for them to acclimate. And so he's kind of on the, the train of, if I'm going to trade for someone, like at least this year, there's going to be lots of time, even if you make the move on deadline day. Does that, that I mean, that makes sense, right? Like even yeah. Muzzin, Campbell, like those were all pretty early trades. Well, the deadline's March 21st, right? So, yeah. it's not like it's super early. There's still like five and a half, six weeks left in yeah, the year. Yeah, that's now. pretty normal though, right? Like, I mean, obviously it's... it's yeah, that That's true. the way it is when it's not last year, right? So, I don't know. There's not that much time because the no, plans start... No, wait a second. Wait a second. Is that, that's, that's not true. Usually, it, it's like end of February, early March mm-hmm. in previous years. So, this is like a little later. I guess later... But later in, like, is it later yeah. in the actual 82 game season? Maybe it's the same. Maybe, maybe you're right. I'm not sure. I th- I think it's a little bit, I was talking to Peter Baugh who covers the Avalanche and he was looking at like the cap space and stuff like that. And Peter was saying that it's later if you go by like days of the season or whatever, like it's closer to, so there's actually like not that much time to, there's more time than there was in these like shortened seasons, these weird seasons like last year. But yeah. in a regular season, it's it's closer to the end. But I guess the point stands. Like it, it's going to be different from last year, so you should be willing to trade for a rental. Um, I did want to talk to you, um, and we'll get to to Dom soon. Of all the things that they have to trade, is there anything like you would you would cross off the list and say like, "There's no way I'm trading that." And I asked, like, I wrote about the, the assets that they do have. Sandy. Like, would you cross? 
I, he's off. Like he's not, he's too an integral, I think, to what they're doing now and obviously in the future. But is there any, anything else? Nyes, Niemela, uh, Robertson, a first round pick. Is, is there anything like you would cross off definitively? I wouldn't, but is there anything you would? Mm, I'd be, I think I'd be reluctant to trade Nyes right now just because I'm not really sure what he is yet. And he might be something really special. And he's just having this monster year as a freshman in the NCAA. So, um, I would want something. I like. I think he's just rocketed up the prospect list for the the franchise. And yeah, those guys that you're not really sure what they are, I'd be a little bit more worried about trading as as prospects. Like I think as an organization, when you're trading a prospect, you want to be in the situation where you know that prospect better than the team that's acquiring him, and you make the right decision to to move on from him. Like when the Leafs traded Grundstrom and uh, Dursey and. You know, they, I think, you know, they were thinking like, we don't feel like these prospects are going to burn us too badly. Like, we feel like we know what they're going to be. They're solid players, but they're not going to be like difference makers. And I think you need to make sure that the Leafs have that. You want to make sure you have that evaluation before you trade one of those guys. Well, man, Jersey's playing like 18 minutes a game in LA. Yeah, I know. 13 points in 29 games. But I know what you're saying. Like, as far as like their trajectory and, and listen, like... To get something good, like if you're going to trade one of those guys, it's not for a rental. It's going to be for someone who's signed beyond this year, right? Like you're, and and someone who's actually like you're saying a difference maker because like you're still trying to straddle these two different worlds. Like he mentioned this, where you want to extend your window, and if you keep trading everything that you have that's valuable and young, like eventually you're just going to run out of stuff. And like there's only so many times you're going to be able to hit on bunting, Kasha, Camp, and like one off season. Like that's hard to do. Well, and like, what do you do if like in the free agent market, there aren't a lot of players like that, right? Like it's... it's sometimes it's just, just Travis Boyd and Jimmy VC. Like there's yeah, just, sometimes there's just not a lot, right? Sometimes it's not up to you, right? And the players have to want to come to your team and all those kinds Play of for things. Cheap. And, you know, they got kind of fortunate that, you know, they signed Kempf and then Kasha's like, I really want to play with Kempf. Well, and he was coming off a year where he played four games or something, mm -hmm. you know? Bunting um, wanted to come, wanted to home. come back here. And so, the, you know, they... Uh, they, they made some smart decisions, but they were also, you know, it, it worked out for them this year where it might not another year. Okay. So, before we get to Dom, I do want to talk about Marner's goal streak. It's at eight games. The franchise record is 11. Just as um, we all predicted, right? Right. And I so, I just wrote a story <laughs> but, about this that'll go up on Thursday. Um, but, but you know what though? Like you did write like a few weeks ago, like before the streak started that, you know, they shouldn't take Marner off the power play and they shouldn't get too worked up about him scoring goals. And I think that you had a long section in that story where you talked about yeah. he actually does score quite a few goals. Like, you yes. know, he's on, been on pace for 30 goals in the past and all this kind of noise around him not scoring goals is kind of misplaced because, you know, he's not that he, bad at scoring goals basically is well, what you wrote. Guess where he finished last year in five on five goals? Uh, I don't know, probably like 25th or something. Fourth. Fourth. In the NHL. In the NHL. In yeah. the NHL. So, but, so the one part oh, I- Oh, you set I, me up for that one. No, but like, so I appreciate your, your point. The one thing I think I was a little bit wrong on is he can kind of grow as a scorer. And I think what we've seen lately is him growing as a scorer in that he's actually, he talked about like wanting to be more of a threat. And he's talked about that like, all the time over the years, like it's come up again and again and again. But what seems different now in watching some of his goals and then watching, just watching him play, he's like trying to score. Like a lot of times with him, he'll score as kind of a last resort or he'll shoot 
as a last resort when he he's kind of like looked at every other option and it's not there. Now he's like actually putting himself in positions to score. So mm-hmm. it's almost like he might be able to even be a better scorer than he's been, which like I look ahead to the playoffs and I think that's interesting. We we it comes up every year where it's like Barner is working on his shot. Do you think he actually do you think it actually like paid off this time that he worked on his shot and it actually turned into something? Well, one thing that was different about his offseason with his shot is he worked a lot with Daryl Belfry for the first time. But it's like for the first 26 games of the year, he had six goals. So, and and I don't think he was showing this where he's like actually intentionally looking for his own opportunities as opposed to like always strictly being a playmaker. So, I think that feels a little different and he's just like he's just hot like remember that that shorthanded goal he scored against the islanders where he literally lost the puck and it went in like sometimes you're just hot it's interesting you bring up the belfry connection because i wrote at the end of last season about matthews and why he won the rocket richard and like what went into that and belfry was obviously a big part of that and one of the things that that people told me is that what Belf- what Matthews is doing with Belfry, it's not really about how hard you can shoot the puck. It's really about finding the spaces and finding ways around the goaltender. And I, mm-hmm. I encourage people to read that story because that story came out right before the playoffs started. And I don't think a lot of people read it, but it was really interesting the way that... So, like, basically, you know, everyone... I, I see a lot on social media, whatever, people are down on Mitch Marner's shot. But if he can pick up some of what Belfry's saying about the way that... Matthews finds, and he probably can. I mean, Marner's a really smart player. It's about, Marner can always find the angles on those passes. Like, why can't he, why couldn't he do it with a shot if he figures out kind of what Matthews and Belfry are working on together? And obviously, he's never going to shoot the puck like Matthews, but maybe he can like find open spaces the way that Matthews does and and, and produce more goals. And it sort of feels like that's what's happening right now. Yeah, it's deception, right? It's yeah. deception, I think, is what it is. And well, that's what I'm the goalie back. said was the biggest thing with Matthews. They weren't like – it's not like he shoots it the hardest. It's not like he's the most accurate shooter of all time. It's like I don't know what he's going to do. Well, and you remember like when Kadri scored 32 goals in back-to-back years, he doesn't have a heavy shot, but like he would just kind of – Remember Bozak used to score lots of goals and like have a high shooting percentage, and he's not a big shooter. So here's what he said about his work with Belf- Belfry. It was just working on a lot of angle stuff. Exactly what you said. Trying to be deceptive and tricking goalies. That's what they're doing. So, again, I got to tweet that story out again. Maybe I'll tweet it out when the podcast comes out because, honestly, I think that's one of the most interesting stories I've written about the Leafs and I've covered the Leafs for a long, long time. And uh, that's that's what the, the Leafs are doing some sort of geometry lesson with some other players right now. I, that's what I think is happening here. All right. So that's it's it's fascinating that he could be the guy to get the record. The modern day record is John Anderson of ten games. Nice. Um, it's former Thrasher's be, head coach. It's going to be hard for him to get to ten games, eleven games, whatever it is. Like that's an insane streak. Can you imagine though, like looking through the record book one day, like twenty years from now, and like Matthews, who knows how many goals he'll have by that point? And it's like who has the record for goals? Uh, consecutive games of the goal and it's martyr not matthews you'd be like what wait what i don't know about you jonas but i don't read the obscure leaf record book all that often you should okay you should when i need to when i need to get down for a nap i'll I'll break it out (laughs) all right let's take a break uh and then let's get to dom looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James, let's bring in our boy, Dom. Dom, how are you? Jonas, I sit beside you one or two times a week. You can't say my last name. <laughs> I was wondering if Jonas was going to... Lecision? Oh, come on, man. Lecision. That's even... I play Lish. hockey with you every week, James. Lish. Yeah, I don't think anyone on the team can say your name. None of the refs can. None of the scorekeepers can. No one just... No one attempts it. The other team wants to trash talk you. They can't say it, so... They can't trash talk me because I'm the best player on the team. Lecision. No. Loose chicken. Loose chicken. Okay. That's how I got to the loose chicken at one point, I think. I always yes. just cut, cut and paste on when I have to put your name in my story. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do in like the HR forms and stuff like that. You need like a keyboard shortcut. So when you type in <laughs> L-U-S-Z, it just autofills. <laughs> That's All how right, you, so Dom, we have. That's how yeah, you go do ahead, it. James. I'm just picturing, like, so, like, I have little kids. I have, like, you know, a three year old, and and a, and a, and, a, and, a, and my son's in grade one, and I like teaching them how to spell their name and whatever. It's like I'm just picturing like six year old Dom, and like feel sorry for him trying to like figure out all the Z's and Y's and S's and that. <laughs> like, it must have just taken you so long to figure it out. Your teacher was probably I, like, "It's okay, you don't have to do it." <laughs> I don't remember a time where I didn't know how to spell my last name, so I don't know what the learning process was like. I'm sure my family suffered. <laughs> more than I did, but I I don't know. I'm sure there's like a, a pattern that they, they taught me <laughs> at an early age. I'm, su- I'm surprised that like someone didn't like change your name at some point along the way. <laughs> Let's is, just uh, shorten it a little bit. Just shorten it a little, eh? Um, nope. Mm-hmm. I'm making everyone else suffer because I had to as a child, apparently. Well, it's kind of cool having a name no one else does. So, Dom, one... W- James, you want to go right into questions? I, I I want to ask Dom something. No, yeah. No, I think we should talk about the Leafs with Dom. All right. So, we will talk about the Leafs since this is a Leaf podcast. Dom, like, what do you think is one perception that's out there about the Leafs that's that you think is is obviously not true? Like, is there one thing that, that comes up again and again and again that, that frustrates you that you think is perceived one way but is actually different in reality? I, I don't know if anything really frustrates me about this team other than the team itself. I think the perceptions are often warranted, even if they're not legitimately backed by data and reality. I mean, I think the one thing is that people don't think this is a contender. And I think just looking at the roster, looking at what they've done in the regular season in the past few years, it's hard to say otherwise. And they point, obviously, to the playoff failures. But, I mean... Just because they keep choking doesn't mean that they don't have the pieces to go deep. Because the point of them choking is that you don't expect them to in terms of the skill that's on the team. And that should tell you how strong they are. And the amount of hilarity for other fans for how funny it is the Leafs keep choking is, I think, correlated to how good this team actually is. I think the other thing, too, is that this team... 
I think last season and this year, the team is the best that it's been. Like it's better than yeah. than some of the teams that that played the Bruins in the first round. It's a, it's better than the team that played Columbus. Like it's just it's just a deeper team. So you know, the, the, the last year was the first year where it was like the Leafs absolutely should win this series. They're the favorite by a large margin. And then the, <laughs> and then they fell out. Like some of the other years when they choked, I think the difference is that they weren't the favorite in those series. Like I mean, Columbus. I, that just wasn't a very good team. Like it was, it wasn't a bad. Yeah, they were. You can't cut them slack for that, James. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, I think sorry. Columbus was the first year where they were they were a heavy favorite. favorite. And yeah. Le- yeah, and fair. And like James, like to your point, like they're not just better because this year be- and last year because they're deeper. Their young players are better than yeah. they were two, three years ago. I'm not saying but, they weren't but, the favorite against Columbus. I'm just saying that was a deeply flawed Leafs team that you know that, that is just not the case the last two years. But the the funny, it, I mean, they had CC and Barry playing huge minutes on D. Like they had Anderson and Goal, who you couldn't rely on. Like it, that year against Columbus was, they made mistakes in building the roster that cost them in the playoffs. It's I mean, gonna, I, I think the other thing is the playoffs. That series in particular, Columbus was allowed to do whatever they wanted to, and I don't think Toronto's been prepared because they play Boston a lot. It was just a very like. Columbus had an obvious game plan for how to stifle Toronto and it worked, but I do think even with the flaws, it was a deep enough roster that they should have easily been able to beat Columbus. Yeah. I guess to James's point, like I'm looking at the lineup their their third line is, is like a 19, I think he's 18, 18 year old Robertson, Kerfoot, Kapanen. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Clifford and Goche playing on the fourth line. Nah. CC on your top pair. Barry and Dermot playing together like it's it's to Dom's point it's still it's still good enough to beat Columbus but that brings me Dom like to a a question that I think is going to be interesting looking ahead a lot of people James included are kind of saying well they're going to get like they could get Tampa in the first round they could get Florida and so like I like I I can't go there like if they that you have to beat a good team like if you can't beat a good team like what are what's what are we doing here like do you think that's going to be any kind of Excuse is the wrong word, but like it can, it's going to come up at some point. I think you can go both ways. I mean, if you're a contender, you do have to beat a good team. Um, and Toronto is going to face two good teams along the way in terms of getting out of the Atlantic. If it's not Tampa or Florida in the first round, it'll be them in the second round. So I think the only excuse is that the matchup that they're going to get in the first round would normally be reserved for the second or third round. And it's a bit unlucky that these teams have to face off early and it's unlucky for Florida and Tampa Bay too. It's not just unlucky for the Leafs. Like those teams shouldn't have to face a team like the Leafs that early. I don't know if it's an excuse, but the Atlantic is stupid stacks right now where you can make a case that Florida, Tampa, and Toronto are all top five teams and two of them will have to face each other in the first round. So, so like, would you cut the Leafs some slack then if they go into one of those series and, like, it's a seven-game series and it's really close and they lose? Like, did or, – or is it just, like, you know, here go the Leafs again? I, I would cut them some slack for that. I think it'll be difficult for some fans because of what happened last year and the year before that. But I think the series with Boston, I mean – they lost, but they lost in seven to a very, very strong team that they played close. And I think it'll be a similar series with Tampa and Florida where it'll probably be a toss up and you just hope they actually follow through this time. But if they don't, I mean, just get better next year. There's no point 
ripping everything apart because they are really close. It's just right now the path is difficult. And that's what makes last year's blunder so hard to swallow is that was the easiest path they'll probably ever have. And they blew it. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, everyone listening right now is like, move on, talk about something else. Are the, are yeah. the Leafs, you analyze the whole league all the time. You don't do a lot of like Leafs specific stories. Are they, are they the most frustrating team for you to, to analyze and talk about just because you have to, you have to continually write how good they are when, when they've never kind of proven that out. I think it's the more frustrating thing is people know I grew up in Toronto and grew up cheering for the Leafs. So they think it's like a, it comes from a place of bias where they did not really see what I wrote in the Carlisle years or anything like that because I was blogging and had fewer followers. But if this team was terrible, I would say that and they're not. And then they lose in the playoffs. So that's the frustrating part for sure because a lot of people pay too much homage to playoffs and playoff results when a lot of it's still small sample size randomness where really anything can happen. And we've seen that with, with the Leafs. That's always the tough thing to analyze. Like how do you, how much do you make of close seven game series? Like you look at some of those Boston series, even that the Washington series where it's like every game is a goal. Mm-hmm. It's just the last two really that, that we're talking about. But like you look ahead, like they match up, like they're as good as Florida, as good as Tampa, basically. No, I, I think so. I, my model has all three teams relatively equal right now, which is, but you rigged the model, of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, I would rig the model against the Leafs. So I wouldn't have to deal with that question, and but Dom still be Leafs. I, I do. I, I was very pessimistic after that first round loss, but as the summer rolled around and I got over it, I went back to belief mode because that's what you do when you grow up in the city. You always say there's always next year. And I think this time around, this team is good enough where that motto is warranted. So you don't think they should blow it up? No, no, I don't. Uh, I think it'll be interesting if they get spanked by Tampa Bay or Florida and lose in four yeah. or five games. Yeah. That will be a very interesting question. But if it's close and... They are obviously right there with someone everyone agrees is a cup contender. Then I think you just got to keep finding a way to add to what's there. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we put the call out for questions to wait our, before James. You have to remember to to remind people to eat at their local restaurants. Oh, as we do, Dom. Do you, do you have a good like local spot that you always hit? Oh favorite God, spot? I've I've many. It's burgers. I used to be a big burgers priest guy, but I've recently uh, switched over to Rudy and Maddie's Patties, which I think are the two best burgers in Toronto, and. I'm also a big burrito person and I love me a good burrito boys. And down the street from me, there's a, a nice taco place called Wilbur that I frequent probably like once a week. All great spots. I actually haven't I, had Maddie's patties yet. So Rudy oh, is like so outstanding. Good. Is it better Rudy's than Rudy? A, uh, it's a different experience, but I think Maddie's like it, like it's a flavor combo. I wouldn't normally go for, but like it blends so well together that it just is unreal. I would recommend it for sure. All right. That's good. I'm hungry now. All right, James. So <laughs> you can take be young road. and live downtown and eat out all the time. And I'm at home like with craft dinner getting thrown at me and my, <laughs> my hair and whatever. And Dom's, James, Dom's living the life I lived 12 years ago and I'm jealous. Can I ask you a craft dinner question? Are you ketchup or no ketchup? Oh, no ketchup. Gross. No chance. No ketchup for sure. Oh, it's no just, wow. just, wow. just nasty. Like I couldn't, I don't even think I could eat it. <laughs> all right. That's that's my question. Now you can ask Dom some. We got tons of questions, Dom. Okay. Uh, what do you think? Do you think the Leafs defense benefits from another defenseman? Or would it be make more sense for them to get a, a really good forward uh, for the second line? That's it's definitely an interesting question. I was at the game with Jonas and he was like, what do you think of these defense? And I'm like, like, does that really make this team like that much so, okay, Better, like, let me throw the name at you. Josh Manson apparently is someone that they're, I don't know if Anaheim's going to be in cell mode or not, but he's someone the Leafs are really interested in. Like, would you rather get a Josh Manson or go get like a, a really good forward? Like, I don't know, get like JT Miller from Vancouver or something like that. Oh, JT Miller, for sure. Yeah. I, I think he brings a lot more to the game and he brings, he gives the team more forward depth, which I think is still the biggest question, despite how strong all the depth options have looked so far. I think, I'd want more like lottery tickets there. Like last year I was annoyed that they went for Nick Foligno over Taylor Hall and the first round game one, they lose a star player. And if they had Hall, he can sort of fill that void. Whereas Nick Foligno, even if he was healthy, preach Dom preach. I, it's just, I'd rather do that, especially with, I mean, the defense I think is solid. They don't have this big dude that'll, crush people the way people are hoping but everyone from one to seven is a capable player and i don't think josh manson is an upgrade over justin hall at this point in his career especially with the way hall has played recently i mean his start was brutal and he had that awful gaff against carolina but he's been a lot better of late and i just don't see manson improving if there's an actual top four improvement that pushes hall down to the third pair then absolutely by all means go for it i just don't think that player is available 
Well, to James, like James, to, to Dom's point and to your point, you look at when they had, like, remember when Kasha, and I can't remember who else was out, but like, suddenly their third and fourth lines yeah, were like, not effective at like, all. Oh, not effective at well, all. It was Marner like, was out, right? like, when Marner yeah, was, was out. And I think Marner was out as well. So like, they got really thin really quick. And it's like, you, you're not necessarily going to be healthy. And it's like, you could kind of be one injury away from having to play Richie or whoever, and suddenly you're weaker. This is a funny one, Dom. I like this. Jason says uh, he wants you to include Coach Keefe in the Maple Leafs report cards. When's the last time you did a Maple Leafs report card? <laughs> you haven't done those in years. You were our guy. Like uh, when we first launched the site, you were the first report carder ever. And the interesting story, yeah. backstory with the report cards is that the founder of The Athletic, Alex Mather, that was his idea was to do these report cards. So we were like the guinea pig. We were like the first people to do them. And they just took off. It was like back in... It's like right when you were, you, you were a freelancer when you first started, we started doing them. Yeah, I was a freelancer and we had like this little thing in the app uh, <laughs> called Every Player where you'd swipe through these cards and there'd be a little blurb of what I thought the player, how they played that day. And it was interesting how much people loved it. And I, it was a grind. I didn't, I didn't love writing them, to be honest. I thought, there were some games that were a lot of fun, but these were, I think, some of the frustrating times where the Leafs would go on these losing streaks. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to write. It's hard. It's a hard grind when you're doing 82 per year and 19 I players, when, right? Like every night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's just there's nothing you can say about some random fourth liner. And what about Martin Marincin? Ex- exactly. Um, <laughs> so it was it was tough, and I was happy when. Ian came along so we can split the duties and I can especially give him Saturday nights because again, I live downtown. I'm in my twenties. So that was always, you got to get the Tesla could, fired up and ride around down <laughs> downtown and eat burritos. Well, I didn't have that yet. Whatever things you do. But yeah. <laughs> isn't that what the kid? isn't that what the kids do these days? Yeah. They just rip in their, uh, in their Teslas and eat burritos. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. It's better than what I'm up to with the craft dinner. Uh, I think so. So oh, to, to add to that, uh, Dominico asks, uh, why do you think Sheldon keeps not getting a lot of love when the discussion comes up about coach of the year? What do you think, Jonas? Like, do you, we kind of talked about that a little, a little bit last week. Like he should be in the conversation this year. Yeah. I mentioned that in some story at some point, you and I have talked about that. It's just like a lot of those, the coach of the year voting as Dom knows better than anyone is, is almost like w- tends to be like, which team surprised. surprised. Team. Yeah. It's not usually like the good teams. And you even think this year, it's like Jared Bednar is probably going to be in the conversation. Obviously, Rod, the bod will be in there. Um, John Cooper, Dean Evison, like uh, Gerard Gallant will, would be my guess would win it. What do you think, Dom? I think those are all strong candidates. I also like Daryl Sutter in mm. Calgary with the way they're playing. Yeah, I think it's funny the mental gymnastics people yes. will do Florida? to discredit to discredit the leaps in any way possible i mean they don't expect the leaps to be a good team um this year because of them losing to montreal in the first round last year so once the leaps are good they shift the goalposts and say okay do it in the playoffs we all knew they'd be a good regular season team when that was not the case before the season started and i can attest to that as someone whose model said they'd be very good and then when they are good you don't credit the coach because they have good players and it's just this weird thing because then you start 
praising the players and I was like, oh, well, they're overpaid. <laughs> and it just makes no sense the lengths people will go to, I guess, go in the opposite direction because there's this belief that there's this Leafs bias in the media because they're talked about so much. But if you look at what how the mainstream media actually talks about the team, like it's almost always so unnecessarily negative for such a team that is has played the way it has over the last two years. You know? Yeah, you know what it is, James, like sorry to interrupt, but there's like there's an idea that there's a Toronto bias, but a lot of times the Toronto bias almost goes the other way where players mm-hmm. can be almost underrated because people are like, well, Mitch Marner is overpaid or he's this and like William Nealander is this. And it's like, well, if you actually like look at it from like an objective lens, it, it's not that way. Anyway, James, go ahead. I was just going to say my perspective as someone who's helping like shape what the coverage for the company is going to look like. I don't know with us, but I think in general, the Leafs are actually undercovered, which is probably going to drive some people crazy. But just the population base, like if you look at English language population in Canada, a huge percentage of it is in Southern Ontario. And I say that as someone from Western Canada, like there's, there's just like three or four times as many Leafs fans as there are Oilers or Canucks or like they're just, it's just a huge population of people that cheer for the Leafs. So in the media, if you're trying to serve people adequately based on how many of them there are, you need a lot of Leafs coverage. Like that's just the bottom line. There's just the numbers on Leafs coverage just blow everything else out of the water. That's just reality. So, yeah. by the way, guys, before James gets to another question for you, Dom, these are the last five Coach of the Year winners. So, Rod Brindamore won it last year. Before that, Bruce Cassidy. Uh, before that, Barry Trotz, Gerard Gallant, John Tortorella. Some good coaches in there, for sure. Mm-hmm. Some good coaches in team, but a lot of it, like in some of those cases, those are teams that overachieved. And yeah, it's not like the best team in the league won it every year. Yeah. I, th- I think it's rare to do that. I feel like if you looked at what the Vegas over-unders were over the season, subtracted what the teams actually did, and looked at the biggest differences, those are usually the coach of the year candidates. It's like, oh, we didn't expect your team to be any good, so it must be the coach. So the Rangers maybe this year, even though... Yeah, no, oftentimes it's the goalie, isn't it? Goaltending is a huge part of the Rangers, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, we have a million questions, which we're not going to have time to get to all of these, but let's... Uh, let's pick up the pace maybe a little bit if we can. Curtis wants to know, Dom, uh, do you think Hall's been playing better? What do you think, you know, kind of of him as a player? I know your model has been okay on him. Like it hasn't, you know, it doesn't say he's like a replacement level player. Um, And Jonas, maybe you can chime in afterwards. Like, what do you think the key has been to him being a bit better? And, and, and do we, do we feel like he could potentially get back to where he was last year and play in the top four? I thought he, like, to start the season, he looked replacement level and he was yeah. definitely trending there. I don't know what changed or when it changed, but I stopped getting mad at him and noticing <laughs> him doing dumb stuff aside from the, the Carolina technical analysis. Against Carolina. Yeah. Uh, a lot of technical analysis. Here. It's that's the thing with defensemen is, am I getting mad at this player? And I think we saw a lot with Morgan Riley in his early years where you loved what he did offensively, but you'd get mad at him because he would do something stupid. And this year, his defense numbers are, I think, up a lot compared to where it usually is. And I find myself not getting mad at him a lot because he's playing a... He's still 
as effective offensively, but he's not taking as many defensive risks and still being effective in that way. And I think with Hall, the barometer of am I getting mad at him has really lowered over the past month or so. And I looked at his numbers. Actually, I didn't even try to look at his numbers. I was just randomly looking at the best players of the last month in terms of, I think, expected goals or whatever. And Hall's name was up there. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Good for him. I noticed I wasn't getting mad at him a lot. So that tracks. You know, one of the things that, that that came up with him, he said he's he's tried to be like more instinctive, more involved. But I think what's come up for me and like you looking, going back to when he was really struggling, he really had a hard time with the puck. And that was something Sheldon Keefe talked about at the time. And like you saw these plays where he was just like mishandling the puck. He was sloppy with it. He was, he was indecisive. And now it's like that's kind of gone. And I wonder how much the break ends up helping him where it's just like this big gap in the season. He can almost like start the season again because you think of like the way things started for him, like Dom, James, you both mentioned it. It was like every mistake he made was going in the net. Yeah. And it's like, then he started to to lose his confidence and it's like, it just snowballed. And I think it's kind of almost become a new season for him. So anyway, James, you're up. I like this question from Alex. Uh, Dom, where do you think the Leafs have the biggest room for improvement in the second half that doesn't involve adding another player? Where, where do you see like the the weakness other than Hall? Because we just talked about him. Like, is there something that stands out to you where they need to be better? That is that's a tough one because I feel like just looking at their team numbers, I don't recall them being particularly bad at anything, right? I feel like the power play is strong. I can throw some suggestions at you if you want. I mean, go for it. Well, backup goaltending has not been where they would like it to be. And I think that the second line... has been better over the, over the last... Yeah, just on the whole yeah. for the season, like they've used, you know, they've, yeah. they've played Hutchinson at times. If you look at like save percentage and some of the the mm-hmm. analytics and whatever, when Campbell hasn't been in net, they haven't gotten enough. And the second line defensively hasn't been very good. If you look at some of the, the, the underlying numbers, you know, the Tavares and, and Kerfoot and them. Yeah, I feel like that is probably to be expected from that trio but i think as long as they bring enough offense and win that battle even if it's at a higher pace i don't think it matters i mean florida's second line has an apparent heart contender in jonathan huberto who gets a lot of points but defensively he gives so much back he's allowing i think over three goals per 60 at five on five he's allowing a lot of scoring chances against and no one's saying anything about Florida's second line because they get results. And I think the same is true to a lesser extent for Toronto's second line, even if it's not as prolific offensively. Anything to add, Jonas? No, I was just thinking like as Dom was talking, because Dom does awards watch. I think the the heart conversation this year is going to be really interesting. And I was going to write this week. Well, I was going to write this week that it's kind of like the waters are kind of parting for it to be Matthews, like to be, for him to be the favorite, like I, there's no way like Jonathan Huberto is going to win the heart. Like I just can't see voters doing that. Um, like if Matthews is 55 goals and the Leafs are fourth in the NHL, like I don't know who's going to have a better case. Like you forget about like just the goals, like his two way impact, his defensive, like all. Yeah. Of it. I don't like Nazem Kadri. Like he's not winning the heart. Like, Points you know matter I mean? like, so much, of- Jonas. Like so, like Matthews is going to need the assists, right? Like he can't just be like a Cy Young candidate. He's got to get like 110 but points, which he could do this at- year. As Dom says, and is, and you're right, James. Like this doesn't end up being the case. But look at the the scoring leaders. Like I, I can't see Hubert are winning it. If if Edmonton is blah, McDavid and Drysaddle aren't going to win it. Kadri's not going to win it from Colorado. Can you can you make a, an Ovechkin case? I, I guess Rantanen's like 
is he going to win it? Probably not. Is Johnny Goudreau like Dom's favorite going to win it? You know what I mean? Like my concern, and Matthew. My concern, yeah. Jonas, is there's going to be a bunch of voters that don't want to vote for Matthews if it's like a close situation. Like it could get a yeah. bit, it could get a bit ugly if you get people that don't want to vote for the Leafs player for the. But if he has fifty five or f- like, fuck, but what he if have like fifty nine goals? What like, if McDavid you know what I mean? and Drysdale both have thirty more points than he does? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right now I think McDavid is on pace for like ten more than Matthews. Mm-hmm. So I think okay. the case is a lot easier when you see Matthews scoring more goals and having this two way impact. I think voters will still find a way to vote for Huberto because he leads the league in points. And without the logic of thinking this guy's on the second line, he's not taking Barkov matchups, he's not good defensively. And I think Matthews right now is the most complete player. And if you look at all the other candidates, they have someone helping them out a bit more. And obviously Marner's been stronger over the last little bit but Matthew still has a massive gap in terms of value over him with what he's been done doing this year well we're all in the PHWA so we hope that they get it right when uh, when the time comes well, it's, we get votes yeah I didn't vote last year did you vote last year they took away no I didn't get a vote I think this year which is fine probably go back to normal right uh boy there's lots of good questions uh Dom what do you uh mar- married asks, what do you consider appropriate uses versus misuses of predictive models? And what sample size do you actually start to care about what the data is saying? For example, the Leafs had a slow start this season, the first seven games, people were losing their mind that Matthews wasn't scoring. Uh, the Leafs were, were not were on pace to finish down the standings and people were saying blow up the core. As a fan, I understood the frustration, but you have to factor in it was like seven games. Uh, if you're talking like 20 or 30, let's talk some more. What do you, what do you think about like the idea of a sample size and when do you start looking? Like I had someone point to me like, oh, you were, why didn't you talk about how their low their PDO was in the first five, six games? It's like, well, cause it's only five or six games. So yeah. how do you weigh in on that? Uh, I think I didn't even have to write in, well, actually I did write an article. Um, cause the same thing was happening with Colorado, Vegas, Tampa Bay. And we see mm. what all those teams are doing now in the standings. Uh, since their own slow starts and it really is just like it's seven games if this seven game stretch happened in the middle of season no one would really care and it's just this weird thing because it's Toronto and they obviously were coming off this huge playoff disappointment so you'd hope they would start strong but they didn't but at the same time it wasn't really anything to worry about I remember after that seven games I tweeted does anyone want to bet against Toronto because I'm willing to take money and I <laughs> made a lot of bets with people <laughs> betting they wouldn't make the playoffs. Oh, there you go. And so you can cash those in right now, right? I, I guess I could. There, I almost <laughs> feel bad because of I felt like shooting fish in a barrel was so easy. And I guess that's the utility of predictive models is... I wonder how many of those are our subscribers you, and you're just soaking them <laughs> for them. <laughs> like, <laughs> their subscription fees I, going up. I know some of them have messaged me since, like, I, I'm happy they're back on track, but I should have believed in the first place. And I think that's the utility of predictive models is that they don't jump to conclusions right off the bat when a team does something unexpected, which was the Leaf start. And I think even at the 40 game mark, I would, at any game mark, I would still trust a predictive model over what the standings say because the standings even after 82 games can lie to you uh and we've seen that with this exact leaps team in 2012-13 and 2013-14 in 
all those years where they looked good but weren't good. And who, wait, Dom, who's that team yeah. for you this year that people oh, think the Rangers. is good? Okay, the Rangers. They're a bunch of frauds. I think they. <laughs> <laughs> it must be nice to have a goalie saving like one expected goal per sixty over expected. I. It must be nice to believe your team is good when you're getting that kind of okay. treatment. And obviously Shesterkin is good, but like, I mean, the team in front of him has really not looked impressive. Uh, We've uh, yeah, there's always that one team. We only got five minutes left, so oh wow, here's here's we a should, should do a rapid fire round. We could do that. Here's a question. Yeah, let's, we'll, we can rapid fire you a couple. Here's a question from Adriano, um, who wants to know, to give Leafs fans hope, uh, are the Florida Panthers due for a regression? I think any team on pace for 120 points is due for regression, but I think the Panthers are... They're legit, right? Legit, yeah. yeah. Bobrovsky would be the thing I worry about with them. Yeah. Um, One of the things I changed this year was my goaltending model. I extended a bit, so it would have a larger sample size because with goalies... Sometimes they just have these funks and for Borowski, I guess it was a two year long funk. But if you <laughs> go back to what he was, there was, there should still have been a belief that he can get back to that level. And I think he can still remain one of the top goalies in the league. He's been one of those goalies that's had like really great years followed by dud years and like been kind of yeah. all over the place a little bit and hard to predict. Um, I know you said you didn't think there's a defenseman out there to really change the game, but Brian wants to know if you had to pick a defenseman for them to go after, who would it be out of like all of the names that are out there or even someone, maybe the, a name that's not out there. Like, is there any kind of defenseman you would pair with Muzzin that you would say the Leafs should be really aggressive and give up a lot to get? The only defenseman that I kind of like is Klingberg mm. and I still wouldn't pursue him because of how bad he's been this year. My thought process is that he's a skilled player who is probably undone by the system in Dallas. And I think he would fit well on leaps, especially with a defensive player like Muzzin and sort of take some of the puck moving responsibilities away from Muzzin. I don't think he's been that strong in that area this year. And I think Riley Brody Muzzin Klingberg is a really strong top four, but it's risky with how he's played this year. So I wouldn't probably give up a lot to get him because that's my only issue well and that's the problem like you would have to give up a lot to get him and you're not signing him so you're giving up a lot for like rental uh, rental that's tough okay abby wants to know what are some things that'll make Leafs fans feel like this year might be different do you see something from this team that's different than previous years like how, how much better are they or are they the same than last year i think they're better than last year i think the fact that jack jack campbell has come Mm -hmm. into his own as a starter is huge because a lot of the goals in that series last year were on the softer side i think yes i think matthews and marner i watched all or nothing the way the the scene after the loss where both of them were alone in the dressing room i think i I told this to jonas early on the season like they're going to use that scene when the leafs finally come through and i think that was like their adversity moment and they're going to learn from that and grow from that and come back stronger but i just think this team is deeper than years past the stars are shining brighter and there just aren't a lot of holes in their game and in their lineup that i would be too concerned the only issue is that you can say the same about the teams they're going to play on the road to 
the Stanley Cup. All right. We're real tight for time. I'm going to give you one really difficult question that you have to answer in 30 seconds or less. <laughs> Great. We get this a lot. Uh, what is John Tavares' value right now and projected through the end of the contract? Do you think they would they should still sign that contract if they had to do over? I think the only question is, in this do-over, do you know that Nazem Kadri is going to be <laughs> one of the best players in the league? Because if you know that, then you don't do it. But at the time, it was impossible to imagine Kadri could score at 120-point pace. And if you don't know that fact, then Tavares is a big improvement. I think you still signed that contract for what he's given the team over the last three years and how he still looks right now. I think over the last two years of the contract, it probably will be a bit of an overpayment, but I think he's delivering $11 million worth of value right now. They also could have kept Kadri too, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, they could have kept Kadri as well. That was... Could have had all three. But they had to they had to get Tyson Berry though. Yeah. All right, we have to go. Dom L U S Z C Z Y. (laughs) Do you want me to keep going? Jonas is literally reading it out and getting it wrong. I'm just gonna spell it. (laughs) You're you're reading it from the Zoom chat, so no one's that impressed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dom, this is fun. We're gonna have to get you back soon. Yeah, that was great, Dom. Let's let's do another one right before the playoffs. I am always down. I think James knew I hated podcasts and he's like, oh, I guess we just won't even ask him when my concern is that he would make me start my own podcast, which I will never do. Dom hour. Yeah. <laughs> power, power hour with Dom. Yeah. Power it could be all about burritos yeah. and Teslas. I, I would do a podcast if I didn't have to talk about hockey. Just anything but. Yeah. Taylor talk, Swift. How about a whole Taylor Swift We could talk about our beer league team and how brutal we are. We... We could. Um, we could also talk about how I got Jonas to listen to a Taylor Swift album at the game. I think during your mission, he's like, this is like this bangs. It was, yeah. I told you. All right. Go to theathletic.com slash leave report. Uh, if you haven't signed up to read Dom or James or anyone else. Uh, Dom, thank you. James, goodbye. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for having me.